everybody, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Buff and Blue Review. Uh, pretty busy week with GW Sports. We got a team recording its first win of the season, which is very exciting. We oh, have yeah. some teams playoff hopes shaping up and we have some other big wins around the board uh nick how was your week how do you feel about gw sports right now how are you doing uh it's been great um i've been following a lot of gw sports this week um i i've been paying a lot of attention to each of the teams because this is we're in full swing now uh when the podcast first started we didn't have golf we didn't have water polo we didn't have swimming and diving and last week, with swimming and diving started, this is it. We are going to have the most sports we're ever going to have for this semester going on right now. And uh, the team that actually started first, I think, at any GW sport, women's volleyball, just secured their first win. Um, they are now 1-16 on the season. When we last spoke, they were 0-14. Um, so October 3rd on Sunday, 0-3 to VCU, loss. Then they followed it up with Friday, an 0-3 loss at Fordham. But this Saturday, yesterday, October 9th, they beat Rhode Island 3-2 in an uh, ugly win, I guess is what you could call it. They lost the first set 7-25 to before bouncing back to win 25-23 to and 25-22. to They dropped the fourth set in another not very competitive set at 16-25 to and then squeaked it out in a 15-13 to 13 win in the fifth set. Um, they got outscored on total points, 83-66, to 66, but still managed to win those very close sets, 25-23, I, 25-22. I think that's low-key more impressive. They, they got the, the ones when they needed to. Um, definitely the player performances were also very impressive. 37 assists from Lauren Lebeck, 29 digs from Bella Bowman. And 14 kills from Sarah Pintel and 10 from Liv Womble. Um, listen, it really didn't matter how they got the win. They just needed a win. And it, it was not pretty, but they fought hard and they got, they got a win. Do you think we could see any of them next week on the show? I, I think, despite it being a big week for them, after a one and two week... Um, we're going to talk about some other teams that had some very good success since we last spoke, uh, tennis and swim and dive specifically. I, th- I think we're going to be seeing a male swimmer who I'm not going to mention yet. We'll talk about that when we get to that section. But um, despite their success this week, I, I just can't, I can't see us talking to a volleyball player this week. Oh, but next shame. Week. I feel like this is a good shot for us to, to, to do some volleyball interviews, but We'll see. We'll see. Swimming is always exciting. And a little preview for later in the episode, we do hear from one of the stars of the GW women's diving team, Jamie Doak. So that's very exciting. Yes. We did a great that... talk with her. So look forward to that in a few minutes. Yeah, they got off to a great start this season. Uh, we'll talk about their second competition later. But last week we talked about the first one. And they're outstanding. Um, but to wrap up women's volleyball, they have a doubleheader against George Mason, a two-day doubleheader. Friday, Saturday, uh, away and home split. The home game on the Saturday the 16th is a GW Passport game, for those of you trying to get that Amazon gift card. Um, George Mason's a strong team, but I, I think that this could be the week that we see 
uh, a volleyball player. Not, not this coming episode. So two episodes from now, next week's Colonial of the Week. I I think they can do some damage against George Mason, especially yeah, George Mason, only school below us in the standings. Yeah, and listen, they had a horribly rugged road trip. They were going VCU, Fordham, Rhode Island over a week. Now all they have, they get some days off, and then they get an away game, which is a subway stop away. That's not that bad. And then a home game. So I, I think being back in the district is going to help them out. I think the fact that they're coming off a win is going to help them out. This is it. I think this is the, the pivot in their season where they hit a hot streak because this is a more talented team than 1-16. Yeah, definitely. Good to see. Good to see them get that first win off. Yeah. Maybe this opens up, makes it easier for them in the future, puts a little bit of pressure off. Could be a turning point in the season. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of teams that are more talented than their record, you want to move over to our soccer teams? Yeah, men's soccer had a tough week. They drew – they lost uh, 1-0 to Dayton at home. And that was because of an own goal in the 59th minute, which is always difficult to see because, you know, they, it's obviously the team that benefits from the own goal has to kind of usually create something on the offensive end, but still it's always so, so dissatisfying to watch. And then uh, later in the week, we drew GW drew nil nil to UMass in a double overtime draw, which is how we've learned it works in the A10 and in the NCAA. So this week, really not scoring many goals. The only real highlight that can kind of be taken from this week is Justin Grady has been playing very well in goal in the second half and in overtime in the draw against UMass. He made five saves, which is a lot in kind of a short amount of time. So he kept them in it and helped them kind of salvage that one point but not a ton to see from from those performances and kind of shows that they have been having some trouble scoring goals you know no goals in their past three a10 matches you know the draw zero or the loss zero two to st joe's and then the dayton and umass results as well so i think the men's team really needs to pick it up with their goal scoring or else they will be in danger of not qualifying for the A-10 tournament. Only the top eight teams in the conference qualify for the tournament, and right now GW is sitting at 11th in the standings. So although it is pretty compact, a good next few results against the A-10 teams will definitely leap them into that postseason qualification, into the playoff picture. Mm. They, they need to pick it up or else they really will be in danger of not making the tournament, which after bringing back the entire team, making it to the finals the year before would be a really big disappointment for this team, I think, and would definitely be an underperformance and a, yeah, just a really big disappointment. I, yeah, like you said, they have some A-10 games coming up. Tuesday, they play Wake Forest, but then their last three games of the season, George Mason, St. Louis, Bonaventure. Nine points there gets them into the playoffs. That absolutely would get them in. Um, Even something like seven points would. So there's a lot of time left. 
Um, but you're right. I, I, they opened the season with four goals at BMI. We thought this would be a prolific goal-scoring team, and yet we've only seen four games out of the 13 this season where they've managed double, like more than one goal. Only four games with two or more. Um, uh, I, I did not really expect this this season. No, I, I didn't know. either. Yeah. Are we, are we experiencing similar goal-scoring droughts with the women's team, or is that a different, more defensive issue? Um, the women, I think it probably is a more defensive issue. Uh, last Sunday, they had a – they lost 4-0 to against St. Louis. St. Louis is a very good team. Uh, so, I mean, that can be forgiven a little. Uh. But – yeah, no, it it is not looking great. Like, St. Louis is solidly in the playoff picture for the women. It's the same format for them, top eight make the tournament. And GW is 13th right now. So they also have a lot of ground, if not a bit more than the men to make up, if they do want to make that tournament. But they have a big A-10 week next week. They're playing Dayton and St. Joe's. Uh, St. Joe's is definitely, definitely a game that they can get three points in. So that will be really something to watch and make sure that they kind of secure as many possible points as they can. Because Dayton's doing is having a very solid season. They are near the top of the table. They're at four and one in conference. So that would be quite an upset if they're able to win there. But St. Joe's is definitely something they should be kind of fo- so focusing their sights on. Yeah, this is honestly a huge week for soccer. Uh, for both mm-hmm. the men and the women. Um, this is well, gonna for the be- men, if they can do anything against Wake Forest, I remember Oscar Haynes-Brown was telling us they were really excited to go into that ACC atmosphere, play a really experienced school, maybe show them, show them they have something here that they maybe weren't expecting. If they can do that, I just know that would be a huge confidence boost. You're right. You're right. That, that, would, that could turn a season around. Um, yeah. Even getting a, a point, I think, at Wake Forest would be huge. I think they need to net some goals. It could be a 1-1 draw, but they need to get something in the back of the net against a team like that. Definitely. Uh, on an on interesting note, men's golf was both successful and not as successful as they had been. So they finished 10th out of 12 at the Hamptons Intercollegiate at 49 over par. But the beat Georgetown, they came in dead last at plus 72. So nice. They, you know, comp- you take the wins where you get them. They, they had done a little better earlier in the season in terms of overall rankings um, at tournaments. I know they opened well at Air Force, but this was, it was nice to see them beat Georgetown kind of dominantly too. Um, first place was a three-way tie between three major athletic schools, Georgia Tech, Virginia, and Northwestern, all at four below par, so very far ahead of uh, where we were and where Georgetown was. GW was led by Luke Liu, who played plus 11, and Arev Patel, who also shot plus 11. Both of them tied for 38th, and both were freshmen. Um, so a lot of youth showing out for the GW golf team, and I said solid result. Uh, very, very, very tough competition, but we beat Georgetown. So, hey, they, they played well, and they beat the school we want them to beat. So the win in my book, I think. Great performances from their young players, especially. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something to take away from that. And I think 
again, even if we came in second to last and the only team we beat is Georgetown, I think any GW school, any GW athlete, obviously you'd rather a bit more team success, but it does feel good to beat our our neighbors, neighbors to the West. Yeah, it, it felt very, are they to our, they are to our West. It I felt so, very right? good. Yeah. So like East is like the White House, Capitol Hill-ish. And then West would be, yeah. Out North is kind of like DuPont. West would be Georgetown. Yeah, that makes sense. You're right, to our West. But you have to go through West End to get there. Yeah, I'm glad to see them. You know, Georgetown's a preppy school. You'd think they'd come out and golf well, but we That's got them. Point. That's a good point, Nick. We got them by 23 Jesus. strokes. Not even close. <laughs> so, very nice result um, in terms of that. And listen, the fact that they they had some good results in a tournament where you're playing with these massive schools. Um, listen, it's, it's solid to see the young players leading the team. So, you know, would have hoped for a little more team success, but question. Do you think Mm -hmm. that the norovirus and salmonella outbreaks at Georgetown could have played a role? I really, I think we're overblowing how big the, the norovirus outbreak on Georgetown's campus is. I mean, we got an email about it. Oh, we did get an email. I don't know. I don't know if they're missing any players. They were. They were like, "Be careful if you interact with Georgetown people. They're all, um, they're all quite ill right now." So, Men's I don't ball. know. We we love to take our little jabs at them, but yeah, that was good, good stuff from golf. Uh, another I- another team that had a pretty good week was water polo. Mm. Again, they did lose to a ranked opponent, Fordham ranked number 17. GW had a really tough 7-15 loss. Fordham went on an 8-0 run during that match. There really wasn't much for GW to do there. But then later in the day, they did redeem themselves with an amazing 12-11 victory against Wagner, where Nick Schroeder scored a go-ahead goal with only 52 seconds left. And then the GW defense was able to hold off a last-minute Wagner push, and they were able to hold on to that victory, which really helped kind of make the most of that road trip when they did lose to Fordham, which was definitely a game they were hoping to win. And so, yeah, water polo again, showing that they're having some trouble with these ranked opponents, understandably, but they're really doing the job and taking care of business against the teams they should beat, or at least are that they're more expected to be more competitive with. So I think they're having a really great season. And then they have Bucknell at home on Saturday, which should be another winnable game, especially at home. So look for them to keep making some noise in the pool. You know, uh, going into that Bucknell match, there's a very easy, insult we can we can rally behind you all know it but <laughs> let's i have a good of friend of bucknell so i'm also hoping that uh shout out nate badger don't think you're listening to this but if you do what's up it's definitely if not you, listening. if we do beat them that'll be that'll be a fun fun little jab i can take at him <laughs> especially because he's the one who beat me in fantasy baseball this year so uh, it's all right. I got, I got revenge on them in, in fantasy football for you. My team's on the rise, baby. Uh, anyways, no one cares about your fantasy. No, fantasy no one does. League. That was a 
horrible error <laughs> that I just made. Horrible. No, it was worth my media fault errors. too. Trying to talk about that. My apologies, everyone. At least fantasy baseball is kind of not a lot of people play it, so it's more interesting. Anyways, yeah, it's more women's tennis. That we we do that. Yeah, <laughs> women's tennis. Katarina Marinkovic and Stella Wiseman. We talked about them last weekend competing at the ITA doubles, and they did very well. They made it to the finals. Um, they lost in the finals, but as a duo, this I think was their first time playing together as a duo in a big tournament this year, and they made it to the finals of the ITA. Um, both competed in singles and fell in the round of 16. So deep runs in in long tournaments you know there's a lot of rounds to this round of 16 you're picking up one or two wins to get there um but together they're amazing separate they're still strong uh and right now we're wrapping up at the blue and gold invitational hosted by navy you can tell because it's blue and gold not buff and blue um (laughs) they're they're over at navy in annapolis i could not find live scores for the death of me um for the life of me I, I, I couldn't find it anywhere. I looked on Navy site, our site, some sketchy amateur intercollegiate tennis sites could not find it. So we'll oh man, to watch out for those. Those are, <laughs> oh yeah. All the viruses. Now we'll have to wait until GW sports posts a recap article, but I don't trust their recap articles because they were wrong about where men finished in golf this week. So, oh yeah. Well, <laughs> um, before we talk about swimming and diving and go into our interview with Jamie, mm. uh, the cross-country team did not have any – the cross-country teams, I should say, did not have any action this week. They are preparing for their meet at UVA on Friday, the UVA XC23 Invitational. So that will be another chance to play some power schools, some big schools, and get some really tight competition and give GW another opportunity like they did in the Paul Short Run to compete against some of the best in the country. It, I love seeing GW teams play very well. So I've really been enjoying cross country. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's cool that in cross country, especially we are able to compete against really the best schools in the country. Yeah. Like they, when we were talking to um, Glock, James Glockenmeyer, it was like, yeah, we're, he was saying like, yeah, we're really beating a 10 teams, but wait for the Paul short run. Cause that's when we go against the big schools. And then they competed against, these schools that are getting what you'd think are top recruits in every sport. And I'm sure they're top recruits, but GW's hanging with them, which is yeah, it's great. something we don't really see in any other sport outside of women's softball. Um, where they're also outstanding. I can't wait for their season this spring, but we should wrap up real quick talking about swim and dive. Uh, a great win Bounce back win for the men and the women. Absolutely dominating Old Dominion. Um, 187 to 120 for the men. Women won 186 to 127. Uh, Outstanding performances up and down the roster um, for for both uh, the men and the women. The men were led by Merrick Osina, who won four individual events. He's who I think we'll be seeing for the episode next week um they also the men also took home the 200 yard freestyle relay with the team of carol malinchurik i'm sorry dylan Koo, dirty matich and tyler kawakami that was a pool record for their winning time of one minute and 23 seconds point 12 and the women had eight different swimmers claiming individual events 
they touched first in all four relays, and rookie Mariah Fridas was a double winner, taking both butterflies. So an outstanding, just overall dominant win from the women with swimmers taking it. But uh, if I'd say for the athlete of the week, it's going to be Mariko Cena taking four individual events for the men. So we will probably be seeing our first swimmer of the year, but we got to see our first diver. Uh, we'll get to talk to our first diver coming up right after this. Welcome back to the Buff and Blue. We're here with Jamie Doak. Um, congrats on your personal best this weekend. Did you do anything different? Anything you changed with your preparation or is it just the ideal day for you? Thank you. I no, I didn't do anything different, but I've only competed one other time in college so far. So there's not a lot to change yet, but I kind of just went in and did it for fun. Just tried to do my best. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, this dive qualified you for NCAA zones. Can you explain a bit what that is and kind of what you'll be competing for there? Yeah, so NCAA zones, you have to qualify either with a one meter score, three meter score, or a tower score, and that'll get you to be eligible for all the boards. But it basically means that I now have my season extending to March, and I will be doing the zones meet in a to be announced place so that I can try to qualify for NCAAs the following week. Yeah, yeah no, that's super exciting. So you're a junior, but this is only your second time competing. Um, did it feel good to just get out there and do it again? Yeah, it's really nice. It's college is a totally different atmosphere for competing than in um, like juniors and when you're in high school. So it's just really fun to be out there for college. It's a lot more fun with having the team there to support you with all our swimmers. So it's it's been good. Yeah, and the GW site under your bio says you missed last season due to injury. Um, would you mind talking about what injury it was and how your road to recovery was for this season? Yeah, so uh, my freshman year, I tore my ACL in September, so right before the season even began. So I was out the whole year. I uh, got surgery in December 2019, and I did PT until about March 2021 to finish my ACL recovery. And that's when I finally got to compete for conference. And then I actually got surgery again this last summer on my elbow. So, Wow. Yeah. So uh, you compete in both the one meter and the three meter dives. Uh, what are some of the differences between the two and which do you prefer? Yeah. So honestly, the biggest difference between them is just the height. They're the same exact yeah. board. It's just you have those two extra meters to do stuff. So you usually do more rotations, more twists and stuff because you have the time. Um, I personally like three meter better because I think the competition's a lot more spread out because on one meter for women's competition, everyone kind of gets to the same point in their list, like the same dives they do at a meet for one meter, but three meter, there's a lot more variation in what people are actually doing. So I think three meters is a lot more fun. Awesome. So your next competition is at Old Dominion. It's their first meet of the season. Um, do you have any idea of what that's going to look like, be like, you're looking forward to it? Yeah, so Old Dominion actually doesn't have a diving team anymore, so the divers are going to compete, but it's just going to be an intra-squad for us, so it'll just be a time to like have fun, keep doing your dives, and get that extra experience for co competing, so that when we go to, I think Pitt's our next meet, we'll be ready to be prepared and have like more of a routine down for what we want to do when we compete. 
so yeah, do you guys have any meets this season that you and the team are like especially excited for? You know, maybe you have circled on the calendar. You're all kind of waiting for a chance to get at them. Anything like that? I mean, honestly, I think all of them. Everyone's really excited that we get to have a full season this year, and we have some pretty big meets with like Pitt. We're doing a Princeton invite, so that I'll have Princeton, Utah. I think Columbia and one other team there too as well. And then obviously conference, everyone's ready to try to win it all for both teams this year. Yeah, so diving is a sport that's kind of less known and less, I guess, accessible to people. How did you get into it originally? Um, I did gymnastics my whole life and then I got hurt, had to get surgery and I switched to diving um, beginning, middle of my freshman year of high school and I just stuck with it for there. <laughs> Yeah, so um, what do you think has been, so uh, obviously you can't compete in the same pool every time. So like what's kind of the big differences between competing here at UW or at your home pool or at another school, another place you're not as familiar with? Um, I mean, like I said, I've only, I dove at GW before and I dove at George Mason for conference last year. I think the biggest difference, especially last year, conference got split up between divers and swimmers. So we were in different locations. So I think it's really just the energy that changes. Cause once we have the swimmers there, there's a lot more cheering, a lot more excitement for it. But for diving specifically, it's just getting used to the boards. Cause every diving board is kind of a little different. It's been used a different amount of times. So there's different upkeep for it. And then just like getting used to seeing what's around you so that when you're flipping and twisting, you kind of know where you are. But those are like the kind of the biggest differences. Yeah, so you mentioned last season you were out and the teams were separate, right? So did that impact, um, like, your training? Do you guys normally practice together, the divers and the swimmers, or is it more separate than that? Yeah, so we, uh, beginning of the year, so this last, like, month or so, we train together. We do dry land, so we do, like, workouts in U Yard and around the memorials a lot together at the beginning of the season. But because of how the Smith pool set up, we have to train separately anyway. So we'll have our diving practices at different times than they do. But we really try to be together as much as we can for it. And I mean, I think for meets, it was definitely a really different for us to experience that atmosphere without the swim team there. But it was it was still really fun. And every, we got to be the ones who were being the loudest again. But we had to just do it more ourselves than having the extra support. Yeah. So, um there are a ton of early mornings in the pool. Do you have any special tricks, you know, getting out of bed, getting up earlier? Is it just like a lot of coffee or something like that? Um, you get pretty used to it. I am a person who goes to bed between like 9.30 and 10.30 at the latest. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I am in my bed, under my covers, ready to go, just sleep. Um, I'm usually up around 7.15 every morning, especially during the dryland season. And we're starting more dryland next week. So with all of that, but I've always been a morning person, but I've gotten less of a morning person with college and like being with different roommates. I used to make like a big breakfast and now you can't really do that with your roommates in the room. So I've really just gotten into like making smoothies in the morning and just trying to be set, packed up the night before so I can stay in bed as long as I can. Yeah, I What's can the earliest you've ever had to be up at the pool? Um, this last, for the meet this weekend, we had to to be there at 6:45, so I was there around 6:30. But it's not—it hasn't been too bad. Freshman year, we were definitely at the pool a lot earlier than we are this year, and our coaches have yeah. made like a very intentional point to have us there later to help keep us healthy and everything. But diving, 
I mean, for competitions when we were in like high school and stuff, you had to be there really early for warm ups and stuff. And for conference, we did too, but it's gotten a lot better to be in like maybe not like 7 a.m. is like one of your earlier wake ups, hopefully. Oh, that's not too bad. No, that's not bad. That's yeah. not, that's better well, than I, I was thinking. Yeah. I can't get out of bed for my 9 a.m. I don't know how they're getting up that early, but that's, <laughs> it definitely is a talent to be able to do something so intense that early in the day. Um, so best of luck at Old Dominion and with everything else this season. Thank you for stopping by. And uh, thank you. That's it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Jamie, thank you so much for a great conversation. I think we all learned a bit about some diving, get us more excited for the season coming up. And yeah, again, as we've seen, GW swimming and diving is definitely one of the teams to watch on campus. Yeah, uh, they're going to be outstanding in the winter, especially when we lose the outdoor sports and we move indoors. It'll be basketball and them competing, and uh, they're going to be absolutely successful no matter what. Like, they, and they're amazing. Yeah, big week ahead, cross-country, huge meet, men's soccer at Wake Forest. That'll be something really cool to watch. Always fun to see a Power 5 opponent. Women's soccer hopes to stay in it for the A-10 tournament. Volleyball, think they can add to their win total? Really hope so. I think this is the chance. Finally coming home. Yeah, big week for GW Sports, and we will be back next week to hang out and talk to you guys all about it. Have a good one, guys. Race high. Race high the buff and blue.